You are tuned in to the Sparkles and Fairy Lights podcast. Imogen Campbell is your host and she will tackle issues that tend to sneak up on one and wreak havoc on the unprepared midlife soul. First up, perimenopause. If you are in your 20s or 30s, feel free to join the conversation and be ignorant no more. Welcome back to episode 15, can you believe that, of the Sparkles and Fairy Lights podcast. This episode is called No Stress Dresses to Match Beautiful Dresses. Well, since you're on the topic of beautiful shoes, dresses, etc., we need hair to match, don't we? It's definitely not known as a woman's crowning glory for nothing. Beautiful hair has always provided enchantment and admiration. Think of the legendary Brothers Grimm fairy tale character Rapunzel who so many little girls are introduced to as they are growing up. Or the glowing beauty of lustrous locks on women like Jane Seymour and Diana Ross. What about the Xinyan of Aubrey Hepburn that whispered classy in breakfast at Tiffany's? Or Grace Kelly's famed classically glamorous hair? The outlier hairstyle of Bond girl Grace Jones? the ultimate 80s hairstyle sported by Tina Turner, who simply wore it the best. And who can forget the Rachel, the iconic hairstyle worn by one of the world's best friends at the time, Jennifer Aniston. I think you get the gist. It is epoch-defining. Consider the hairstyles of the 50s. We immediately think Marilyn Monroe. Can you picture her dresses in your mind's eye? Discussing glamorous hair is a wonderful way to pass the time, but it's not quite what today's podcast is all about. It is really about having a great mane of hair or pixie cut if you prefer as you age and the pitfalls you need to be aware of so that you can achieve your desired look. I've already touched on the topic of hair in a previous episode of this podcast. I've told you about hair loss, changing texture, and that hormones have a role to play. It's estimated that 40% of women experience hair loss during and around menopause. So let's recap briefly anyway. A phenomenal article by Nature's Best has some really useful nuggets on this, and I quote. As you enter perimenopause, your production of the female sex hormones estrogen and progesterone start to decline unevenly. Aside from supporting other areas of health, including the cardiovascular system, bones and sleep, those hormones also help hair growth and keep it on your head for longer. As estrogen and progesterone drop, hair growth is slower and hair becomes thinner than before. Over time, the decline in these hormones trigger an increase in the male sex hormone, testosterone, which can cause hair follicles to shrink. Slow progressive hair thinning can lead to female pattern hair loss. The first signs may be increased hair shedding when brushing or washing, hair thinning or dry and brittle hair. It's possible that your parting may widen too, close quote. The site provides recommendations about what you can do to stop hair loss during menopause, including limiting stress, increasing your iron intake and upping your zinc, etc. As always, check the link on the blog. 
Having covered that, I want to tell you about an aha moment involving a cosmetologist that changed the trajectory of my own journey with my head of hair. But first, I must confess that taming my hair has been a lifelong struggle. I may have very fine hair, but apparently according to the hairdressers who have helped me over the years, I have a lot of it. <laughs> the texture is relatively coarse and my hairdresser refers to it as having tight curls. It has always seemed to have the upper hand and instead of being my crowning glory has often been the part of me that I was not particularly proud of. One day, a good few years back now, my sister was doing my hair when she remarked that there was a noticeable thinning of my hair. At the time, I had been experiencing anemia and was aware that the condition contributed to hair loss. But I really took notice when I saw strands coming out in my hands more regularly and the effect of that was all starting to show. And so it became a catalyst for what felt like an epic journey to finally figure out how to look after my hair properly and restore the hair loss I had been experiencing. After decades of being alive, I felt that I owed it to myself to finally figure out my hair and feel confident when I have to go out and not worry about dryness, the frizz and looking unkempt basically. Every one of which detracts from your look. I scoured the internet to find solutions for my hair. I happened on some supplements, proponents of eating organically and all kinds of advice to grow lustrous locks and maintain the health of my hair. But one day, bang, I stumbled across a blonde cosmetologist, Tammy, in her late 50s residing in the US and I saw something I assumed only people of color did. She mentioned all the oils she was applying to her hair on a daily basis. And mind you, she also washes her lustrous locks every day. Now putting oil on your hair to combat dryness in a bit to nourish it does not work if it is just going to sit on top of the strands, especially for my texture. It has a glistening effect but does not help if it does not penetrate the hair shaft and the thin film on top of the strand merely coats it, creating an oily effect instead of being nourished. But back to Tammy. That is why her story and experience made me sit up in my chair. She has a hectic hair routine that I won't specifically recommend. I will link it on the socials and the blog, but she showed me the importance of using oil for the hair. She recommended great oils, I believe suitable for any hair type. But the point is that you need to let it absorb into your hair and scalp in order to get the results. Work the oil into the strands and allow it to penetrate the hair shafts as you sleep or pre-treat your hair for a while before washing. I decided I would put it to the test using my mom's wisdom. She always said we should use either olive or coconut oil on our hair when we were young. You know, I digress, but our parents really knew a thing or two. Actually, a whole lot. <laughs> I did that on a regular basis and started to notice a change. My hair has definitely been stronger in my opinion and breakage at the ends has been reduced. Which is why I struggled to grow it out in the first place as I had to cut split ends and there was really any momentum in growth. Another plus for me was that the softer degrowth made it easy to blow dry my hair. Just that but easy. I'm still learning such a lot but I think I can vouch for the process. 
Of course, hormones have had an effect on the texture of my hair and of late it became more apparent. And I must say that having the bad flu circulating around recently did not help my hair care routine. So I made the time to let it sit and really soak in overnight and longer than usual and check the results this past week. There was satisfactory improvement immediately, but I need to keep at it to ensure that I keep my hair healthy and in good condition. Besides the oils needed to deeply penetrate and absorb into the hair, and some people also use hydrating moss for this purpose, you need natural oils and fats to be imbibed through your diet. You are what you eat is as true for your body as for your hair. The Mediterranean diet has been recommended for this. I'm going to add some links about the Mediterranean diet and its benefit for health in the blog. Please note it's also excellent for your brain. A win-win situation so to speak. Across the board, experts also recommend a variety of supplements, not least biotin. These supplements are in addition to a diet rich in omega-3 and a great intake of fish oil and olive oil, plus nuts, avocados, etc. And besides, being frazzled about dry, frizzy, frazzled tresses are not going to help us to rock gorgeous locks to wear with our favorite frocks, nor will it promote the well-being we all hope for. We need to be aware of the effects of some styling tools, chemical processes, poor diet, stress, etc. can have on our hair and have to be vigilant about reducing or eliminating these altogether. For some, once the 40-year mark is reached, or once lustrous tresses become dull, limp and lifeless. Yes, even though hair strands are technically dead, beautiful hair can have a life of its own. You know what I mean. <laughs> I've read about women whose thinning manes have caused major trauma because it's such an important expression of a woman's femininity. Another poignant example is that of cancer patients who have to shave their hair as a result of undergoing treatment, in effect exacerbating the private heartache and pain. And hair, a very public symbol of their battle, becomes a source of much distress. After turning the magical 4-0, if my memory serves me correctly, I recall a friend not pulling any punches about using relaxers and applying chemical products on my hair. Heat-based hair styling tools also cropped up. For a girl with my hair texture, that was but much to give up and hard, to, hard for me to hear and bear at the time, to be honest. But going natural at that point in time did not feel like a real option as my hair has these tight curls and it's a huge effort to control even on a good day. If you can relate to the struggle to even get a comb through the roots between treatments, then you understand that. This alternative, going natural, actually demands a lot of oil and attention and a different type of upkeep. I have a good friend who has managed to figure it out. Kudos to her. But all these years later, I'm so glad that I've been able to find a way to use oils in a different way without entirely stopping chemical treatments and heat styling tools and have so far prevented more hair loss. Although I'm super vigilant about checking the condition of my hair, taking corrective action when necessary and having the conversations I need to with my hair stylist. 
However, there is so much written about hair care, including what I would describe as myths. Many people espouse the idea that when you reach a certain age, you have to cut your hair. The answer, I believe, is it depends and probably somewhere in between. No need for extremes. <laughs> but to illustrate, I'll provide two examples and then you can draw on the idea for yourself. Dominic Saxon, one of my favorite influences over 50, and boy, she is stunning, believes in having short hair. If I've understood the reasoning correctly, the thought behind it is that, that it lifts the face at a time when everything is sagging. The natural progression of aging is for the skin to sag and move downwards and therefore to counteract that is to have short hair and produce lift through the cut and move the eye upward. She is the definitive case in point and she rocks, I mean rocks short hair. I've linked a video where Dominic recreates four hairstyles for short hair. She's such a dynamic proponent of short hair, but also a bit of a hair chameleon, as she often changes hair color. You don't see that every day. She posts videos on this topic, and I know that she visits her hair salon religiously. For the rest of us who do not have the money to do so, it's probably best to have a chat with our own hairdressers to figure out what works best for us. But what if you love your healthy, longer tresses? Do you need to cut it? Well, think Jane Seymour, who has yelled out on cutting hers to age 70. <laughs> I have seen that she's now embracing grey and sporting shoulder-length hair. But it's taken her decades to get to that point, and for good reason too. Besides its being her definitive feature, it had been instrumental to a successful career. So no surprise that even as late as the 1960s, she felt extremely comfortable with long hair. I think it's important to get advice from loved ones and or experts who can help us to make such a determination. As long as it suits you, pun intended, you need not go for the job. Okay, contentious issue number two. My hairdresser set me straight on this one, so listen up. She said that one does not dye your hair. That process refers to dyeing clothes like jeans, but it should be known as coloring your hair. Jane Seymour has confessed that she is needed to color her hair to keep the gray at bay. And in a, a, the Mail on Sunday U Magazine article, she confessed to having it colored every four weeks or so using Goldwell products. Coloring one's hair is also something to consider carefully as it is a chemical process that affects hair types differently. Again, I will recommend caution and a good chat to one's hairdresser. We move on to the topic of going gray, which was also addressed in a previous podcast episode. It is refreshing to see that more and more women are embracing their gray stands, gray strands and going gray. Instagram channels include Georgia goes gray and gray is the new blonde. Women are truly embracing themselves and choosing to be grey. A friend who was toying with going grey had a very interesting comment to make on this topic though. She said that if that option became a viable one for a woman, more makeup may need to be applied, otherwise a person could end up looking a bit washed out. I considered it and had a look at women who were rocking the hair trend fabulously and noticed that she probably had a point with that. It seems that a little more color is required to pull it off. The two Instagram accounts I mentioned have a number of gorgeous women and seem to be clear evidence that this was the case. That a little bit of lipstick 
and some score that can pack a punch and go a long way to enhancing women's features. So color of a different kind <laughs> is needed to brighten up the face. And you thought about that? Another interesting fact to mention in relation to premature grain is that it has been linked to a lack of vitamins like B6 and B12 in those individuals. Right, moving on. As you know, his strands are dead and you need to make sure that you don't use brutal chemicals that can burn them, styling products that can fry them, and strangely enough, you need to watch out for some sun damage as well. As much as you would for your skin and eyes. Come on, you say, surely not. Well, let me do some quoting for you. The Condé Nast own Allure magazine has this to say. If there's one thing we at Allure have in common with you dermatologists, it's that we will never ever stop reminding you about the importance of wearing SPF daily. What many people don't know about sun protection though, is that sunscreen application shouldn't just stop at the hairline, your scalp, though it may be covered by your hair and in your hair itself are both at risk for UVA and UVB damage. Moreover, Hello Magazine reported the following. Frazzled, sun-scorched holiday hair should be a thing of the past thanks to the new wave of sun protection products for your hair. Wondering what hair sunscreen is? It does exactly what it says on the tin. Protects your hair from UV rays. As tempted as you might be to just slather your skin and body, SPF on your hair. Hold off. You need an SPF specifically designed to protect those strands. Why does your hair need sun protection? The answer is according to Hello Magazine. Just like your skin, hair can be damaged by the sun's rays too. When UV rays penetrate the hair's outer cuticle, they create highly reactive free radicals which damage the melanin pigment causing color changes and attack the protein structure of the hair, leading to thinning, breakage and splittings, explains leading hair stylist Michael Van Clark. He suggests covering your hair where possible, especially in direct sunlight. Think a chic patterned scarf or cute bucket hat. He also suggests back in a deep conditioning treatment to treat your hair post-swim and sun. Replenish your hair daily with regular treatments. Holidays are an ideal time to treat your hair to the full deep conditioning treatment like leave-in conditioners or pre-shampoo boosters. I know that's a lot to take in. I'm not sure if all types of hair textures, but it's just something I wanted to make you aware of. Another thing that Tammy that ageless cosmetologist said was that the beginning of hair health is undoubtedly scalp health. Yes, eating the right diet is a major boon in that direction. But what about massaging your scalp and using a scalp massage brush when it's wet? I prefer to use it once I've applied some conditioner so as not to break my hair. But it all helps to stimulate the all important hair follicles and promote hair growth. That brings me to yet another point I have to make, hair straighteners. I straighten mine from time to time and my hairdresser has assured me that she does not apply the product to my scalp and is incredibly cautious with the application on the strands. But I must warn you that it has recently come to light that certain straightening products have a carcinogenic effect on women. 
Far from being a scaremonger or trying to cause harm, I mention this to create awareness. Women who use chemical hair straighteners and relaxers may have a higher risk of uterine cancer, according to a new study from researchers at the U.S. National Institute of Health. The study findings were published on October 17, 2022, in the Journal of the National Cancer Institute. I found this in, a, in an article that I'll also link for you on the blog. I want to proceed and tell you that women of color are especially at risk, and these findings have led to a flurry of lawsuits filed in the United States. Once again, I will link the article in the blog. There are also gentler treatments available like Botox and keratin. I'm not going to touch on these now. Um, those are for your own research. We can turn to these to help to, pre- to, help to keep the tresses looking good, shiny, and in good nick which in turn brings me to sulfate-free products, essential for people using similar processes to me and who have the texture I have. Read the labels on products to check it and specifically have a chat with your hair care professional. I told my stylist that I really liked and used a specific shampoo only to discover that it was not sulfate-free and the culprit for the damage to the ends of my hair. I swapped it out for a sulfate-free natural product that is also free of parabens, other harmful substances, as well as colorants and fragrances. I must say it's been like a breath of fresh air for my hair. And so I hope that some of your stresses around hair care are awful wafting in the summer breeze somewhere and that you have gleaned even one nugget of value. Kindly let me know if you've learned anything. You are welcome to scour the internet for more information, of course. There's so much out there to help us in our bird to maintain beautiful hair as we age. Truly, it's a wonderful time to be alive. This is the penultimate episode of the first season. I'm getting up for season two, but for now, we'll conclude season one next Tuesday at three o'clock UTC. Chat then. Thank you for lending an ear. If you are new, consider subscribing. And if you feel inclined, please leave a review or let me know your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter.